Hi, welcome to More to Come, Publishers Weekly's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly. Today, I am in Long Beach, California at the Long Beach Comic Expo, and I am here with... I'm going to have him say his name because I'm like... <laughs> I'm Ezra Clayton Daniels. Yes. And also... Ade Pukula, Bookie Balderan. All right. So uh, we're in front of them, Ezra and Bookie. Um, so Ezra is here as a McDuffie Award nominee. He was nominated for a comic that's called uh, Upgrade Soul, mm-hmm. and uh, which is a very interesting book, <laughs> obviously, because it got nominated. But... Um, it started out as an iPad app, mm-hmm. correct? So how did that happen? What were you thinking? What were <laughs> you thinking? What? Well, it's a really complicated backstory, but I've been working on Upgrade Soul for about 10 years, and every few years I would pitch it around to publishers and whatever in, incarnation it was in at the time. And I wasn't really getting any um, foothold, so I just kept on working on it. Um, and in the meantime, a friend of mine, Eric Lawyer, who's an interactive artist, um, developed an interactive comics reader platform for iOS, and he asked me if um, I wanted to do something for the platform, and I just happened to have Upgrade Soul that was all written, and I'd already drawn the first chapter, uh, pretty much ready to go, so I was like, I got this project, we can adapt it to this format, and he was really into it, so we just decided to run with that. Right, right. Well, the first chapter is really compelling. Uh, The story is about uh, two older, an older couple who decide to be guinea pigs for this process to... uh, make them youthful and it goes horribly wrong but all sorts of things go horribly wrong in the story is that a fair approximation that is a great one <laughs> yeah. that's better yeah. than i could <laughs> okay well well you know that's what that's what, my, that's what i do for a living but uh and it's drawn in a very i guess it'd be like an indie comic style i don't know if you'd call it that yeah or... well i think my inspirations are very i really like the clean line stuff like the european stuff i think uh vittorio giardino is one of my favorite oh, comics yeah, artists yeah. so i Obviously, nowhere near his um, uh, talent, but that's kind of like what I always have in my mind when I'm drawing. Right. Well, my background is in medical and technical illustration, so I'm also very all about very clear um, mm-hmm. storytelling, very clear uh, information um, uh, telling, I guess. Right. So uh, I think one of the other things I think about a lot with my style is like um, airplane escape manuals. So it's like very clean infographic style. So there's just like. It's yeah. always clear where the characters are in a room and where people are standing and what's going on. Well, it's funny you said medical illustration because there are some things that happen in Upgrade Soul that are medical, <laughs> uh, that are really disturbing. And uh, now that explains a little bit of why, because they're very like visceral. They're like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe that happened. <laughs> uh, you know, well, of course, you know, Phoebe Gleckner also has, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's actually like this kind of little subset of cartoonists who yeah. <laughs> come from the medical uh, illustration. Yeah, field. it's a very like, pe- I don't think people think about it very often when they're getting into illustration, but like mm-hmm. if you're an illustrator and you're looking for work, like, it's a very lucrative and like very like pretty non-competitive field right, if you can get right. into it. Ah, okay. Well, there's a career tip right yeah, there, there that go. everyone should know. <laughs> now, when you were doing it, uh, so okay, so you had this friend who was developing the platform. So, what year was this? We launched it in 2012. Okay. So the wonderful, far off, uh, optimistic days. Yeah, exactly. Of 2012. And so I, on the blog that I do, Common Speed, I've talked a lot about, you know, comics that were for the different mobile platforms and so on. And, you know, I, I really thought, obviously, and as you did, that this would be a thing that happened. Yeah. And it really did not take off. Yeah. Right? What 
what let's say your case study Ezra so you know I mean what was like what do you think happened or why well I think the power of the technology is is obvious and can't really be Mm -hmm. disputed I think when I read Upgrade Soul or when I read other interactive mobile comics like um, Felena that was a one that came out um, by I think Marietta Wren is her name it's a French book I think uh, that is amazing and when you read a comic like that that's got like subtle interaction and, and audio accompaniment it's like to me for my personal aesthetics it's like you can't like find anything more immersive than that like when you have the headphones on and you're in this world it's like nothing beats it um, I think the thing that we didn't anticipate was the way consumers would expect things to be monetized um, so one of the reasons we haven't upgrade, um, updated Upgrade Soul in a few years is because there just wasn't a m- enough revenue coming in to support right. it. And I think one of the problems we faced was that people started to expect high quality content for free uh, on, the, on the App Store. Um, and we just couldn't compete with that. And I think yeah. there's like a lot of companies like, like Madefire, they do excellent work. Mm-hmm. Like their stuff is amazing. But when they first launched, all their stuff was free. So we were competing with that. Right. And all that right. stuff, like why would you pay money for an app when, right. when there's something else yeah. out there? And the other thing is like, if I put out a chapter, like, so Upgrade Soul is currently available um, on a super short print run through uh, Radiator Comics in Chicago. It's like a super tiny print run. There's only like 50 copies of the books that I printed up. Um, and each book that's like 100 pages, there's three books, and each one's 100 pages. They cost 15 bucks for like a full color graphic novel, which is like pretty common yeah. price for a graphic novel. But on the App Store, nobody would ever pay okay, $15, $15 for yeah. 100 pages worth of content, even with like interactive editions and audio accompaniment by like a great composer. We did uh, the music with Alexis Gideon, who's like an amazing experimental yeah. hip hop guy. So it's just like we can't really compete. Right, right. Well, it is like I know there were some others. I have my iPad and I never delete them. I keep all of these like kind of like uh, there was the one where you shake it and the levels kind of go in and out. And there's one. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm I'm on the podcast. You can't see me. I'm reaching into my bag and I'm pulling out my iPad because there is one that um, got picked up and they're making a movie out of it and mm. i thought to myself let's see if i can find it here i thought see i have all this yeah stuff. you must have a lot of storage I, I, I do i got the you know the dumbest thing anyone ever told me was 16 gigs is plenty yeah don't worry about it i should have um, taken that advice. yeah no i, I can I, only have one comic on my ipad at a yeah, time yeah no i got the big one but now i can't find it anyway it's a one about a, a kid and he falls through stuff and then he ends up but they are actually making a movie out okay. of it. they're making an animated film or, or so a web web series of so i mean it made it to the next i guess kind of level i mean did you intend upgrade soul at all to be uh i think i know the answer to this but like it wasn't like it was your pilot for a movie or anything no right? no yeah. not at all. you wanted it to be the the thing itself. Well, when I started working on it, I started working on it before right. iPad or iPhones were right. even invented. Right. Um, so I just wanted it to be a comic. I come from the comics world, and I was only thinking in terms of print comics. Right. So I didn't really have any intention for it to be a interactive right. thing. So what do you see? Then you you wrote a a digital manifesto where you really did come out all guns blazing. Yeah. <laughs> talking about uh, so uh, you know about the future. Yeah. But I mean, how do you? I mean, do you think there still is a future? Oh, totally. For this? I still yeah. totally stand by that 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just we have to wait for the consumer market to catch up to it. Uh-huh. Well, uh, you know, we'll talk. Let's let's get back to that, Bookie. I want to ask you a little bit too. But so are, you're not a cartoonist; you're an animator, right? Mm-hmm. So what? And I know nothing. I just met you, so I'm not. Like, <laughs> tell me about what you do. Um, I'm an experimental animator. I do a lot of uh, mixing of 
direct animation onto film. So that means I would take clear or black leader and bleach or dye it with different um, inks mm -hmm. and then transfer that digitally. And then I mix that with uh, 2D animation that's done in After Effects. So usually like hinged puppet figures mixed in with some of this organic film texture that I make. Wow. Uh, well, this is like dancing about architecture. What is your website so we can check this out? Or is there anything we can go or look yeah, at yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, www.adebukolabodun.com. <laughs> R-I-N.com. Okay. Sorry, oh, yeah. where, I, I, where, I, I, well, I'm from Nigeria. It's a foreign and, last name. Well, we are going to uh, put a link to this in our uh, description of the podcast, okay? Um, so, wow, how did you get into doing this? <laughs> uh, kind of really uh, very backwards. Um, when I started college, I was a, um, a journalism major. I wanted to do really fluffy entertainment journalism. And I discovered that I was kind of a, a not very good writer, but I still really like storytelling. And I took a interactive media class where I had to build a website in an experimental manner. And it really opened my eyes into different ways of like bridging storytelling with image making and then from there I changed my major to um, uh, video art and then got into sort of this uh, handcrafted experimental right. film world. So do you say that you two are working on something together or? Yeah we I mean we just finished uh, well, not just finished but we finished a piece called um, The Golden Chain which is our first collaboration together. It's a uh, it's a retelling of the Yoruba creation myth, um, but set in space. So we borrow <laughs> a lot of the themes and the symbology of the myth and recreate a world uh, in space where there's a uh, Nigerian woman um, astronaut who is in space and a lot of the myth is about taking responsibility for for like accidentally creating life and so she becomes obsessed with this um with this portal and in discovering the portal she kind of like destroys her current world that she's in <laughs> um and so and now we're starting on working on a new piece together which we're excited because this piece just played at rotterdam international film festival um and and it played in a very exciting program there yeah. wow well uh, it sounds like you guys are both pretty uh, bleeding edge on storytelling. <laughs> so, uh, so what do you? But so let's. I mean, what is? I mean, so you still believe in that? There's, there's, you know, this is a very valid form of storytelling. I mean, these things that are, uh, you know, mixing, obviously multimedia on beyond multimedia. I mean, what do you think is the, uh, you know, the next step for this kind of this kind of stuff? I mean, how does it? How does it find? You know, I don't feel like anything has found, has caught on in a way. You know? Yeah, I guess you could say there isn't really a killer app or like mm -hmm. a killer um, book yet that everyone um, gravitates to. I think that'll be a huge thing. Like when something comes out that is only available as an interactive thing that everybody's talking about, mm -hmm. I think that'll be a huge thing. But I, I, another big part of it, I think, is just like the whole industry as a whole is still trying to find its footing mm -hmm. and like there's a lot of different industries that are trying to do things uh, on mobile devices and failing because nobody's really figured out the rules yet right right now have you seen things like uh like boulet you know yeah. the french cartoonist obviously yeah. i mean the people who i think of who are doing some you know the most 
exciting stuff. Uh, I mean, he does all kinds of experimental stuff. Uh, and of course, because now I'm blanking on her name, uh, la 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 la, she does the horror. Emily Carroll. Yeah. As soon as I talked about it, I knew. Yeah. yeah Emily yeah. Carroll. Um, and but I mean, they're taking like the web page, you know, itself yeah. and using it as a canvas. It's yeah. the old Scott McCloud idea, yeah, I guess, exactly. right? Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, and I think it's just finding the format, I, I guess. Yeah. Or maybe finding the right story that breaks breaks through. Because I think when we think about the way that we consume. Uh, media on the internet, like even non-storytelling media, they're all like when we think about the memes that become viral and the way that people appropriate memes and change them, right. or they take like like people are ready for this type of storytelling because right. we no yeah. longer think about things in this linear fashion. It's all sort of a, a you know a cut and paste mm -hmm. of like many things to make a story, which is pretty much what digital storytelling is is like breaking through this linear format and like branching off into multiple mm -hmm. narratives and so I think I think it's just waiting for that breakthrough text because mm -hmm. we're already doing it in our everyday Facebook right. yeah. Twitter Instagram life you know I know I mean the way that Instagram has become this this form of communication that's so unique by itself and yet Vine didn't make it you know yeah, yeah. but so Vine is amazing I, yeah. I mean I because Vine reminds me of my early uh, filmmaking classes where it was like you're not allowed to edit you have to do all your yeah. edits in camera and you have to figure out how you're going to tell this story in like 30 seconds which was a lot because like, especially when you're a student they're like we don't trust you more than 30 <laughs> seconds of footage oh my god it's going to be important yeah <laughs> and so and like and the vines were brilliant yeah, I was like all yeah. those kids are way better than like yeah. 99% of my classmates. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like Vi I, I, when Vine ended, I wrote too. It, it reminded me of uh, uh, cable TV when mm. it was like public access, where it yeah. had this really raw, unfiltered sense to it that yeah. to me was more exciting than, you know, like, you know, celebrity Instagram. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I mean, I take my own pictures, but obviously Kim Kardashian is already styled and yeah, yeah you know yeah. and I always think of like somebody stood there and took the photo you know with a million dollar camera and then they imported it and, you know, yeah. like it's, it's, such, it's such a remove right yeah whereas yeah. yeah and that's I guess that's the stage that we're in right now with digital comics too is like it's, it's the wild wild west right now and it can be really exciting but I think again it's not really going to find a foothold until it becomes yeah. like at least like a standard marketplace where people can go to to find these projects because right now like if you I, I looked up um, like uh, what was the term I used just like if you look up comics on the iOS app store the, like the first 30 hits are just like has nothing to do with actual comic books like if you want to read comics it's like yeah. there's yeah. like photo manipulators and all yeah. this kind of stuff and like if you can't even find what you're looking for on the iOS app store then... <laughs> which I just want to say that's a great thing why Green Diver is a great beginning step to getting she's, digital comics she's together. She is a great <laughs> segue. So tell us about Screen Diver, Ezra. Yeah. So uh, I was invited to um, showcase Upgrade Soul at the uh, Fantosh International Film Festival. They're having a, they're having a motion comics feature there. Um, so they flew uh, me out and Motion Comics kind of like 
kind of the guys who are doing like right. the hottest stuff right yeah, now. Yeah, like in the people who are all kind of like um, Sutu and the uh, Lazy Brothers, um, Daniel Berwin. Uh, and then uh, this this same group was invited out to the Metal Comic Festival uh, by. Uh, um, Shoot, Yana, I can't remember Yana's last name, but she's the woman who runs Fumetto. Um, for that one, a couple of other, like Jason Shiga came out and some other people. Um, and uh, there was a representative of a company called Submarine, and his name was uh, Remco. And Submarine is a company based out of Amsterdam that um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they put out a bunch yeah. of these Russian comics. They've been like one of the early pioneers. They put out one called The Killer that came out in like the mm -hmm. early days of the web. That yeah. was like a really like yep, pioneering I remember that, yeah. Russian comic. And they do a lot of stuff um, now, and they're like a really active company. So I was talking to Remco um, in Switzerland about just the same conversation we're having now. Like, how do we make this stuff catch on? And and I was talking of well, Eric and I, the developer of Upgrade Soul, have been talking about this stuff for a long time too. So. I was telling Remco some of my ideas that were like the foundation of the Digital Comics Manifesto. One of, one of my big things is that there needs to be a central marketplace where people can go to to find these things. Because one of the other things I talk about in the manifesto is that there's no common terminology for these projects. Like some people call them motion comics, Madefire calls them motion books, some people call them immersive comics. Well, I'll be honest with you, when you just said everything that's exciting going on in motion comics, I was like, what? Because, you know, to be honest, unfortunately, that term has become a little bit like, you know, not... Uh, there were so many things that were done that weren't very good. Exactly. You know, yeah. so it's really yeah. become... Um, but now you're saying, there are cool things being done in motion? Well, that's... Well, yeah, totally. <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, my God. This is amazing. Right. I'm well, excited I'm to go check them like, out. There's all these different terminologies right, right. these things. And I remember even in the 90s, Marvel put out these uh, interactive X-Men comics and Happy Meals. And they mm -hmm. called them cyber comics back then. Remember the Marvel cyber, cyber Oh, comics? yeah, cyber. That was hot. And so, like, if you're a consumer, like, if you're a consumer and you've heard about Upgrade Soul and you've checked out Upgrade Soul, you're like, I want to read more stuff like this. And like, what would you even search for to find more stuff like that? It's just really hard. So my pitch to Remco is that um, we need something that's like a directory, like an IMDb for these projects. So like whatever you're calling your interactive comic, like we'll put it here. So if you're into this stuff, you can find it. Um, so that was the, the basis for Screen Diver. Um, so he took it back to the Submarine Channel and they started developing it. And I started working on the manifesto and doing a, like an animated um, primer for the manifesto, which is just like a preview of the longer thing. Um, so yeah, we worked on this for over the course of like a year, and then we finally just launched like last month. So oh, it's, okay. Yeah, it's wow. Up. All right. Well, this will be. So please go to screendiver.com to get your, <laughs> to see a full directory of like tons of like really oh, great motion. So comics. if you're excited by listening to what we're talking about here, then this is how you find it. Uh, as Bookie has brilliantly told us, you go to screendiver.com. Uh, well, I'm going to do that and uh, and and look at look at it. Um, you know, uh, with Upgrade Soul, I certainly hope that, you know, being nominated for the award, uh, which we only announced this on Wednesday, so it's only been a couple of days. Uh, but, you know, I hope it gives it some more um, some more eyes because yeah. it's really... I think it could be a breakthrough comic. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a very, it's a really strong story. I mean, what was what was the inspiration for it? Um, I wanted to write a horror story, so I, I wanted to sit, I sat down and, and thought to myself what was the, was the scariest thing to me at the time. And I came up with the idea when I was like in my early 20s. It was a long time ago. Um, and at the time then, I think I was worried about aging and I was worried about becoming obsolete. And I was in art school at the time. Wow, it's a <laughs> dark, I, dark future. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But um, just like 
being in art school and meeting a lot of other really talented artists and meeting people who are more talented than me and like just like wondering about my place in an industry if I wasn't like as good as the people I was um, who are my peers just like those kind of fears was like the scariest thing to me at the time so I, I just wanted to write a story that kind of trumped that up wow well uh, you certainly succeeded um, aside from your uh, digital comics uh, activities and, and collaborations uh, are you working on any conventional comics yeah actually I am <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a new book that should be finished this summer that I'm collaborating on with um, Ben Passmore who did Daglo A-Hole um, it's a horror satire about gentrification set in Chicago ah. um, so I wrote it he's drawing it and he's plowing through the pages right now so that should be done this summer okay and we'll probably pitch it around the publishers when it's done but we'll probably do another like small like independent print run um, just for cons yeah. too and uh, Upgrade Soul is a, it will be available on Comixology correct? it's it's complicated oh. <laughs> I'm gonna do the last book and send a couple copies to uh, Radiator Comics, Radiator Comics in Chicago, but I have an agent that's pitching it around the publishers right now. Oh, so okay, so there may be a, yeah. I see. Okay. So it'll definitely come out in okay. some form, I just can't say it. Okay, gotcha. So. Uh, and so, Bookie, you're working on, uh, what, what What are you working on, next projects? Or? We're no, in you're... the middle of planning our next animation, right. which is going to be, since we did a horror animation, so, I mean, a sci-fi animation so now we're going to do like a horror afro surrealist animation next that kind of deals with um uh, marriage um marriage not traditions but um superstitions marriage superstitions wow. um and so we're in the middle of uh working out the beginning stages of that yeah. well very cool well we've learned a lot wow this is a lot to explore after this uh this talk so i hope you do check out some of it uh ezra and bookie thank you so much thank you thank you hi welcome to more to come heidi mcdonald back at long beach comics expo i am here with nat gertler longtime friend of the beat uh nat you are the publisher of about comics right oh y yes 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 <laughs> so you know, I always wanted to say this. Tell us about About. About Comics uh, has <laughs> been in the business for about 18 years now, uh, going largely undetected, but still continuing to put things out. Uh, it is a fairly eclectic publishing company. We do a lot of reprints of material, so um, not that much new material in the recent years. Uh, but we find things that I think are interesting, and then I put them out and see if anybody else agrees. Well, now you've published books by Charles Schultz, right? You did un unpublished uh, cartoons uh, by, by Charles, Charles Schultz. Schultz well, yeah. Things that had never been in a book before, right, yes. Right, right. So. And, and that was one of our successes. Uh, we did, did a couple of, the, of books of, of non-Peanuts Charles Schultz material. I'm sort of a professional Peanuts nerd. Mm -hmm. uh, I help other publishers put together Peanuts books. I've written three books about the history of Peanuts for, for various larger publishers. Um, I wrote some of the Peanuts comic book stories for the recent Kaboom comics run. Mm -hmm. So um, that's part and parcel of who I am and, and about comics. Is very, it's a one-man company, mm -hmm. so it's very much who I am in that. Right. Well, I, about is interesting um, in that, like you say, you've been around for 18 years. Um, I mean, I know who you are, uh, but I'm sure a lot of listeners have not, to be blunt, heard about about comics. Uh, but like I said, you've done work with like 
some actually really amazing material. That's uh, so you you were telling me that that your books are sold in gift shops and like well some of our, some of our books, especially recently, have been uh, selling in gift shops of museums and presidential libraries and things like that. Um, a lot of my work is print on demand, so I don't need very high initial uh, orders. Yes. I don't need to sell a thousand right off the bat in order to make something work. And if I can do something, uh, for example, Charles Schultz illustrated a book of kids' letters to President Johnson mm -hmm. uh, back when there was a President Johnson. And you know, this is not a book that's going to sell very well now in traditional bookstores. It's not going to sell very well in comic bookstores because President Johnson isn't a thing. But it is going to sell at the President Johnson Presidential Library right. and at uh, the Charles Schultz uh, Museum. Right. So, uh, so you know, I, I, it's worthwhile for me to reprint that and to get the rights. So there's, there's two sets of rights involved in that in order to just hit those particular locations. Now, how did you find out that this book existed? Well, I, I'm a Charles Schultz nut. Right. I've had a copy right. of that. But still, for a long I mean, time. you know, you're for pleasure. You're reading some biography of Charles Schultz, and mm -hmm. you know, and it says on. Like mentions this book, or I mean, how do you find out? Or oh, I don't know how anybody else would find out. I think I just found a copy for sale somewhere and went, "Ooh, that's cool." <laughs> and and that that's that's happened with, with a lot of things. Um, one of the things I've been putting out in the past year and in, in, in 2016 were some collections of adult coloring books from the 1960s. It was, it was a very different time for were adult. Were they adult in the, the, the adult sense? Or? Well, they, not in the naked women okay. or naked people sense. Uh, they were, but they were meant. For, they, they were satirical. They were using the coloring book form to, to satirize politics and and, and society. Um, so, for example, I reprinted a uh, Mort Drucker JFK illustrated JFK coloring book mm -hmm. that was actually on the New York Times bestseller list for 13 weeks back in the early 60s. Wow! Um, but everybody had forgotten about it, and I've got a collection of just political coloring adult coloring books it includes that one and one about Nikita Khrushchev as illustrated by Jack Davis <laughs> so these these are two key right. uh, mad caricaturists mad magazine caricaturists um, so this is old stuff that is lying around it would be interesting to somebody if somebody just said here here it is or at least I think it would be interesting how many books a year do you publish uh, it varies last year probably I'd have to check I'd probably did about eight or ten. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! So that's quite a few, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and often there there are little niches, or or in the case of the adult coloring books, I would put out a collection of adult coloring books, and then I put out a reprint of a single right, adult coloring right. book. Right. Did those do well? Uh, not as well as I'd hope yet. Uh -huh. But here's one of the great things about doing print on demand. I haven't really pushed them hard yet. I haven't uh -huh. found the right market. Doing print on demand, I can afford to make a book and then figure out how to sell it. <laughs> well, well, this is, was I used to publish through the uh, standard comics distribution system, sure. uh, and there, what you would have to do is you'd have to first convince Diamond that the book you were doing was worth them carrying. Right. Then you would have to convince retailers that the book you were doing was worth them carrying. The way you did that was convince customers to they they would care about the book enough to go tell their retailer in advance that they wanted it. Then the retailers would order them. Then you'd produce, you'd make a pile, you'd make extra right. ones for reorders, and then you'd have to convince the customers again to go and actually buy the right. thing. And then you'd have a garage that was full of boxes and boxes and boxes. Indeed, and 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 I still do have plenty of boxes <laughs> of some of the things that I put out back in the day. Um, but with with these things, for example, um, 
the Char- I did a collection of, of Charles Schultz's It's Only a Game comics, which are single panel comics uh, that he did for, for newspapers in the, the late 50s. And, um, about a third of them are about the game of bridge. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I already put up a collection of everything. Let me just collect the ones that are about the game bridge and see if there is a market. And at first I sold a few, I sold a couple, and then I started hooking up with uh, bridge tournaments and some got some big orders for them to give away to their right. folks, and that just publicized it more. And now, I, I, it didn't cost me very much to try doing this, and I've sold thousands of books. Mm-hmm. And these are things that if I took it to the comic book market, there, there would be no interest. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know? yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, so often for me, it's, it's, it's finding that niche. Right. Well, that, I, I was about to ask you, you know, we're here at the Comic Expo, uh, but you were saying you haven't set up at a show in like umpty zillion years. So, and now I understand why because you don't actually have any products to sell at a show. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't. I don't have big piles of, of these sitting around waiting waiting to, to drag right. out anyway. I could. I'm. Th- I, I'm wanting to do shows more. I'm wanting to see because it's been a while since I've I've done shows. I've got some things that are very much for the comics audience. I publish these blank comic books. Mm-hmm. Both ones are totally blank and ones that just have uh, squares in them. And you give them to a kid and they're not blank very long. Right. They, they turn into comics very easily, uh, and and the ones that are blank covers also a lot of people buy them to get artists to do sketch covers on them. It's, it's cheaper right. than buying a blank Batman cover Batman issue or something. Um, so I have things like that that I think would w- would do well at conventions. It's just a little trickier for me because I'm also an at home dad uh. at this point. So I, it means. St- not only the expense of going somewhere and setting up, but sticking my wife with the kids who right. she loves and, the, and she she's perfectly willing to. But even so, it makes me feel guilty to, to put all that weight right. on her. So, but it really is just just you. You are the only. You are a, about. There's no. I've never had an employee. Right. I, I've hired freelancers for things. Right. I, you know, I, I have put out new comics um, at times. Uh, the last real new material I put out was was uh, a little over a year ago now, I guess. But that was. I was hired by a Chinese restaurant in Canada to do a custom comic for them, mm-hmm. star, <laughs> starring the people who worked at the restaurant and who owned the restaurant, who were reality TV stars. There had uh. been reality TV series about them, and they wanted to sort of play off of that fame, and so I put out a comic where they're superheroes. Oh, wow. You oh, know? okay. So, so I, I, for that, I hire people. Um, and I do a, a bit of that sort of uh, work for uh, working for... Uh, Doing comics related material sure, for other cust- folks. custom comics. C- custom as, as comics, we call or, the technical or, term, yeah. Or providing um, comics artists to draw beer labels for, for beer cans and, right. and beer bottles. Uh, somebody w- wants to really have a comic style, I can right. line things up. Now, I, I do remember, like, what are some of the other comics projects that you've done recently, like, that are specifically comics? Um, well, Last year was a little light on specifically comics, actually, because I was doing the coloring book things mm-hmm. and I was doing doing some other uh, things. But I did put out a collection called Vic the Vet, and this yes, that's the one that I was thinking of. Yeah, this is a single panel series that was done uh, for a college newspaper back in the 1940s, and it was being done by somebody uh, who had served in World War II and was going to college on the GI Bill, and it was about being a student on the GI Bill right. in college, and so it's very much a specific picture of this moment. It, 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 it's a very interesting historical piece. It wasn't mm. meant to be some sort of documentary. Right. It was meant to be silly and fun, but it tells you about what was going on. Right, and and right. I, I took, uh, he, they published a, a very crudely put together collection um, 
I reprinted all the panels from that collection plus a couple more, and I added annotations about what they were referring to, so so you could follow what was going on, the the, the terms they were using referring mm -hmm. to certain things regarding going to college at the time or the culture <laughs> of the time or being a GI. Yeah. It wasn't just Pep Comma, it wasn't just, you know, Archie. No, it wasn't just it wasn't just Archie. Uh, so that that's something I'm proud of and that's something I haven't done the work to find the mm. customers for yet. Right, right. But I haven't it, done it, the work. It's out there. <laughs> that's a great way of putting it but, actually. Mm. Uh, well, so what, I mean, what do you, like, the biggest success? Is it the Schultz books for you, or what? your hit? What's your, have you ever had a book that was so successful you had to do offset printing? Well, I, I used to do offset printing on everything. Right. Uh, and and uh, I had big hits with things like, I had a book called Panel One, which is a collection of comic book scripts by different writers for people who wanted oh, to I see how it was book. done. Yeah, you sent me a copy of that okay. book. Okay, yeah, I did Panel One, and I followed up with Panel Two, and Panel One still sells mm -hmm. sells quite nicely. Now it's in print-on-demand, so I don't have to go back to press on, on, on it. Um, in, but in print-on-demand, uh, for the first time, I'm doing something, taking something that when we started print-on-demand and taking it to traditional printing. Mm -hmm. And that is actually something that's not comics-related at all. It's something called the Negro Motorist Green Book. And this is a 1940 guide uh, letting African-American travelers know where they could find hotels and restaurants that would actually take their money and, and let them be customers. It was very difficult, you know, back in the day to travel because you didn't know where you could go where you would actually be allowed to stay uh, if you were if you were African. And when was this published? Yeah, uh, I actually uh, this one was published in 1940. This was an annual right um, publication ran from the 1936 to the uh, early mid 60s. Um, you know, but I reprinted two editions: the 1940, which was the Negro Motorist Green Book, and the mm -hmm. 1954, which was the ne Negro Travelers Green mm -hmm. Book. Uh, they changed the title by then, um, and those have been doing very well. And it's something that I haven't even really right. pushed on the museum gift shop aspect mm -hmm. of yet. But I've already been getting orders from museum gift shops because they've heard about it and they, <laughs> and, and, and they want it. So, and for dealing with them, it's going to be easier to have uh, a large number of, of physically printed copies, right. which I can also make look uh, be more exactly like the original. Uh, because I'm not limited by what print-on-demand, the print-on-demand style. I can use right. actual green cover paper right, right. for the cover. Yeah, I you showed me a copy of it actually, and it is like this, you know, this old timey typeface. I mean, it's a very attractive little book, mm -hmm. um, and I, I do think the actual kind of green cover, like those, like the paper, if it was green, it would be even more. Uh, striking an yeah. object. So, yeah. uh, so interesting. Wow. Well, but uh, now you also write too. You write comics. I mean, you write obviously, you know, scholarly, mm -hmm. um, but you write comics too. I mean, are you doing any comics writing currently besides? Uh, I, I don't. Ha I, I'm not in the middle of, of a script. I am currently putting together an original graphic novel project um, that I will either find another publisher for somebody who is so still doing the standard comic book shop and bookstore thing and, mm -hmm. and can get it w where this project would need to be, or I will Kickstarter it. Mm -hmm. So, um, Have you done crowdfunding at all? Or? I have not done crowdfunding. I've oh. been sort of... I don't like asking people for money. <laughs> it, 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 it's, a little, it's a little awkward, um, but I think I've got actually a couple of projects where I am providing something more than just an entertainment. Right. Or where somebody could say, I, this is something that should be out on the, in the culture and I want to support it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the one example, this isn't the one I might be pushing first, but um, Joe Staten and I uh, 
put together a pitch for a graphic novel that tells kids how they can become president. <laughs> what the actual steps are, all the different variant ways, you know, you become a vice president, you become, and, and, and the president dies, you become somebody in the cabinet, ah. a, uh, how the electoral college works. Um, you is know. this book uh, true facts or fake facts or? It'd be true facts. Oh it, wow! Okay. It, it, it'd be, About it'd be, the government. Interesting. Yeah, it might be, to- <laughs> but it'd be, it'd be told in the form of fiction. It, right. it's, it's all narrated by the ex president, all the presidents of the United States themselves, uh, explaining how they became or, yeah, or you stuff. Have and like, and they're it, ta- talking to kids who are trying to become president. Who was uh, who became? Was it John Tyler became president after William Henry Harrison? Uh, I was uh, like, I became president after he died because yeah. he stood outside too long. Yeah. <laughs> you get Gerald Ford, who was never elected to national law, right. never elected by, by the full country, right. but somebody resigned. Yeah, somebody well, else maybe this will be the second time this sort of thing happens soon. Who knows? Uh, yeah, Dan, have you thought about doing a collection of the comics of Mike Pence? I have not. That is, a, that is an interesting concept. Yes, yes. Well, it might not be up to your quality standards. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, there there is that. But, uh, you know, now we've known each other a very long time. We mm-hmm. go back to the olden days at San Diego, uh, you know, perhaps even at the Hotel San Diego. Um, like, what do you, or, you know, when you came in to comics, and we both got started, uh, it really was like uh, Joe Illich was talking about at the, his keynote speech yesterday for C3, uh, where you hid your, your geek flag, you know, and, and it was so much like, like, you know, socially unacceptable in a lot of ways. Of course, now it's, you know, you're not into comics? What? You know, now it's, like, shameful not to be into them, pretty much. Yeah, we, we won. Yeah. Uh, and and, and we're, we're not always the best of victors. Yes, but, but, yes. but we, we definitely uh, conquered the culture. Yeah. I don't know. what I mean, how do you see that whole... I mean, you know, I'm just skipping over 30 years of history here. But, you know, I mean, how does it feel to have watched this parade of acceptance? Well, it, 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 it's been amazing to watch it it's been amazing to be a part of I think helping it at times um I, I like to, I, I take some credit for, for some things um I founded an event called 24-Hour Comics Day. Oh, my gosh. I've forgotten about that. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, 24-Hour Comics was an idea that had been around for about a decade before I started this event, which is uh, 24-Hour Comics is when somebody tries to write and draw a 24-page mm-hmm. comic book, which is normally a month or so of work in 24 straight hours. Right. Um... And Scott McCloud, uh, the great comics theorist, had created this concept, and uh, hundreds of people had done it over the, over a decade. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to publish a collection of some of the best 24-hour comics. Um, and so I approached Scott. I, first, I did, did one myself, because I couldn't approach Scott without having actually walked the walk. And I approached Scott said, can you edit this together for us? And, and put out went a successful publication with that. But to publicize it, I figured, well... Um, Maybe I can find some comic shop somewhere that would host an event where we gather a few people for that for for, for a day. We put out twenty four hour comics and we get the comics press to cover it. Right. You know, the time would be C B G and Wizard magazine. <laughs> and and I put that idea on a comics retailer bulletin board and instantly had a dozen or more retailers volunteering to be that retailer. So mm-hmm. I realized suddenly we can have event. I can't mm-hmm. no way I can travel to each of these places and hold separate events. But if we just picked a day and they each run it themselves then we have a thing. Right. Uh, and that just was much larger than I thought it would be the first year and grew and grew and grew after that. And so there's, uh, and often the first time somebody draws a comic. 
Right. Uh, and, and so I like to think I helped energize at least some small portion of people. And not only that, with all their friends, see something at comics as, oh, that's something you can sit down and do. Right, right. Um, when is 24 uh, hour comic day this year? Uh, it, uh, it's no longer under my control. I, mm-hmm. I see that right. after a while because it. Right. Work. Sure. Uh, but it's now the, I believe it's the first Saturday in October every year. Now. Ah, okay. So okay. yeah, yeah. We start when we started it was in April, and and some people said it'd be better in the fall. So you know, we actually do have like uh, I think I, I you know I should do this this site. I should make like a comic book holiday calendar because we have free comic book day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have. And that's uh, definitely the biggest one. That's the biggest I, I, one. I, 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 I was saying for a while I created the second yes, biggest yes, comic yes. holiday. Yes, yes, yes. Well, program, I, it is. It is. I mean, people post them, and you know, there's mm-hmm. quite a. Uh, there, you know, hundreds of people do it, like, like hundreds of thousands. It's over a thousand every year now, uh, all across the country. Right, the, the yeah, all over the the, uh, the world, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there, most uh, recently, we just had uh, hourly comic day, right? Yeah, well, it seems, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's been going for a couple of years now. Yeah, so uh, where people draw a comic every hour, and unfortunately, the, it being cartoonists, it really is about anxiety and drinking coffee. It's like, you know, 10 <laughs> o'clock, had a cup of coffee, you know, 11 o'clock, I got anxious about doing this comic. Mm. Noon, have more coffee. <laughs> it folds in on itself very quickly. It, 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 does, it does, it does. But some of them are very are charming. I mean, it's a lot of fun if you you uh, follow a cartoonist to uh, to, mm-hmm. to see some of the work that comes out in this. And of course, twenty four hour comics. There's actually been some masterpieces. Oh, uh, there have been some lovely, lovely like, things. Like uh, I think Boulez is probably the best known. His, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they, I talked about him in our, the other interview I did for this podcast yeah. too. So Boulez on the mind, but uh, yeah, he's one about the guy who oozes darkness and, yes. and, and impressiveness. Uh, yeah. Was, was, was was wonderful but uh, also I, I, for the first few years we put out anthologies selecting I, I don't want to say the best but 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 highlights interesting mm-hmm. examples uh, and through that we had the first time Fiona Staples got published was in one of those oh wow uh, anthologies um, uh, earlier first Faith Aaron Hicks mm-hmm. it, it, several several people and also back then what I was seeing was there's not a lot of women doing mm-hmm. this right we had hadn't seen that flow so much into the talent pool of comics. There's always been some women, yeah. uh, and maybe there have been some increase, but we, but a, a, an awful large percentage of people doing 24-hour comics yeah. were women. And I said, okay, we're going to see that in a few years in the pro ranks. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, there was a huge revolution. So, mm-hmm. well, that, that's that's really cool. I mean, it's interesting to hear about you know your little niche here. Uh, in what you've been doing, and and congratulations for sticking with it. You oh, know, thanks. I mean, uh, I I I'm always, you know, you send me a press release every once in a while, and like with Vic the Vet, I know I ran a story about it, and uh, I'll be like, wow, that, that's still on it. <laughs> I'm actually more profitable than I ever have been before. Really? Yes. Because I'm doing all these things because I, I can afford to, to do something that may not be very profitable because I don't lose a lot. I don't right. have a pile sitting in a warehouse somewhere that I paid to have printed and later paid to have destroyed, which right. is always the most painful thing. Oh. Uh, so, and when something comes along like the, the Green Book reprints, which is a success, that makes up for an awful lot of failures very quickly. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But along, you have fun along the way, even uh, with the failures, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm putting out there things that I think should be out there. Right. Whether anybody else finds that of interest, I've done my job. Right. So, uh, to find out more about About Comics, uh, is there a website? There is aboutcomics.com. Aboutcomics.com. Which needs to be updated a little bit, but uh, it, it is there, and the front page will show you uh, almost everything we have available. All right. Well, very cool. Well, uh, listeners, check that out. Uh, Nat, thank you so much uh, for your time. Glad and, to be here. Uh, all right. And there'll be more to come. <laughs>